0: And welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 167. We're going to pick it up where we left off, which would be the book of Hosea, chapter 8. The section title says, Israel's False Hopes. Verse 2, Israel cries out to me, My God, we know you! So Israel, you know, they, they're they under a delusion a lot of times because they think that they're um, uh, being righteous and whatnot, uh, at least on the surface. But I, I think beneath the surface, they know they're not. In verse 3, it says, Israel has rejected what is good, and enemy will pursue him. They have installed kings, but not through me. They have appointed leaders, but without my approval. You see, the Lord is saying, look... <laughs> They put kings in place on their own. I didn't anoint them, you know. They made leaders for themselves, but they didn't inquire of me for my approval. Now, if this doesn't sound like what happens today, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. See, we put people in places of uh, in positions of power, and we don't inquire of the Lord. We just we just go by our own uh, our own ideas. And I'm talking about society at large. See, we don't we don't we don't consider the things of God. We just put people in there that we think. Uh, are going to do our bidding. And then we don't hold them accountable, but that's another issue. It says they make their silver and gold into idols for themselves for their, uh, for their own destruction. See, a lot of times people, <clears throat> they don't understand when they examine things like resources and money and whatnot, they just see the power, the privilege, the things they can buy, this, that, and the other. They don't understand that that comes at a cost or a potential cost. See, if you don't keep yourself in check then that could lead uh, lead to your own destruction. So let's drop down here to verse 10. And verse 10 says, Even though they hire lovers among the nations, even though they make allies out of people I told them not to ally themselves with, even though they hire lovers uh, among the nations, I will now round them up and they will begin to decrease in number under the burden of the king and leaders. Under the burden of the kings and the leaders that they chose, that they didn't inquire me about, they will start to decrease in number because they didn't listen to me. In verse 11, it says, when Ephraim multiplies his altars uh, for sin, they become his altars for sinning. Now, this is deep. It says when Ephraim multiplies his altars for sin. And so the altar was the place where you would bring sacrifices to atone for sin. And see, so the more altars you have, then the more sin that should be getting atoned for. But they multiplied in altars and then those altars became their place for sinning because they started uh, offering um, sacrifices that weren't of the Lord. They started uh, offering sacrifices to idols, to foreign gods. And so they should have expand, uh, expanded these, or excuse me, these altars, uh, so that they could atone for their sin to the God of Israel. But instead, they expanded their sin by expanding the offers uh, uh, and, and sacrifices uh, to idols. Then it says in verse twelve, though they, um, though, though I were to write out for him ten thousand points of my instruction they would be regarded as something strange. So the Lord is saying, even though I could write out 10,000 points of my instruction, if the people became aware of it, they're like, what is this? In other words, they were so unfamiliar with the things of God. They had gotten to a place where they were so unfamiliar with the things of God that even when it was put right in front of their face, they wouldn't recognize it. And I could go off on that with the analogies today because a lot of things of righteousness people look at today and look at them as evil. A lot of evil that people look at today, they think is right and righteous. In chapter 9, it says the coming exile. Israel, do not rejoice jubilantly, jubilantly as the nations do, for you have acted promiscuously, leaving your God. You love the wages of a prostitute. You love the wages of a prostitute. What are the wages of a prostitute? A prostitute delivers on to, to man pleasures and, and whatnot. And so God is saying, look, you love the pleasures that, um, um, that foreign gods and, and other peoples and other lands seem to offer at the expense of me. See? And so you've been promiscuous and you've left me for these other wages. In verse three, it says they will not stay in the land of the Lord. Instead, Ephraim will return to Egypt, and they will eat unclean food in Assyria. And so, this is pointing to their exile. What they will do, you know, they will be scattered amongst the nations. Uh, but Assyria will come down into the northern kingdom and defeat it and cart off a lot of the Israelites. And so, they will eat foreign foods, is what the word is saying. Uh, verse seven. <laughs> The days of punishment have come, the days of retribution have come. Let Israel recognize it. The prophet is a fool, and the inspired man is insane because of the magnitude of your iniquity and hostility. And so the Lord is saying, Look, because of all of this stuff, all of the evil and wickedness that you have been involved in, you know, the prophet is a fool. He's, he's prophesying foolish things, and the inspired man is insane because of the height of your wickedness, because of the degree of your wickedness. Ephraim beloved, uh, or excuse me, Ephraim bereaved of offspring. And it says down in verse 11, Ephraim's glory will fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. In other words, he's saying no legacy here for you, Ephraim. You're too too wicked. You're too evil. Even if they raise children, I will bereave them of each one. Yes, woe to them when I depart from them. Give them, Lord. What should you give? Give them a wound that miscarries and breasts that are dry. No offspring. Offspring will not flourish. Ephraim is struck down, their roots are withered, they cannot bear fruit. Even if they bear children, I will kill the precious offspring of their wombs. And so the Lord is serious here. He says, your wickedness is so deep and so far-reaching that you can have no legacy. You know, you can have no legacy. I will not allow this to go forward. Chapter 10, the vine and the calf. Verse 1, Israel is, lush, is a lush vine, yet yields fruit for itself. So in other words, I believe this is saying Israel is, is a fertile plant. It has tremendous, tremendous potential uh, to just uh, yield fruit for itself and all the surrounding areas. It says, the more his fruit increased, his being Israel, the more his fr- fruit increased, the more he increased the altars. See so the more fruit that they bore then their altars expanded even further the better his land produced the better they made the sacred uh, sac- excuse me the better ma- the better they made the sacred pillars okay and so the altars and the sacred pillars here that are being referred to are of idols and so it's saying the more his fruit increased the more prosperous uh, Israel became the northern kingdom then the greater their um, altars of worship of idols expanded. It says the better the land produced, the better they made the sacred pillars. They made better uh, pillars to foreign idols. And it says their hearts are devious. Uh, Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and demolish their sacred pillars. In fact, they are now saying, we have no king, for we do not fear the Lord. What can a king do for us? They got so high and mighty in themselves, because remember, at the time that Hosea was prophesying, the, uh, the land was prosperous and they were thriving. And so they say, hey, we don't, we don't fear God. What can God do to us? Look, we're thriving. We're prosperous. <laughs> you know, what can a king do for us? You know, we don't, we don't need this. We got us. Let's drop down to verse five and it says the residents of Samaria will have anxiety over the calf of uh, Beth Haven. Now, the calf of Beth Haven. And so it's uh, the root is Bethel. And so Bethel means house of God. Beth Haven means house of wickedness. So Beth Haven is the opposite of God, And so it says in verse 5, the residents of Samaria will have anxi- anxiety over the calf of Beth Haven. In other words, they will fear for the security and safety and well-being of this idol, of this calf. Now, if this is to be a God, why should they fear over it if it's a God? You know, just something to think about. But anyway, the residents of Samaria will have anxiety over the calf of Beth Haven. Um, Indeed, its idolatrous priests rejoiced over it. The people will mourn over it, over its glory. It will certainly go into exile. So God is saying, look, this (laughs) this idol here is certainly going to be cast into exile. It says in verse 6, the calf itself will be taken to Assyria as an offering to the great king. The next section says Israel's defeat because of sin. In verse 10, it says, I will discipline them at my discretion. Nations will be gathered against them to put them in bondage for their double inequity. It says nations will be gathered against them and put them, the Israelites, in bondage for their extreme inequity. You know, not just in inequity, but the word says double inequity. You know, the, the just um, wickedness times two. You know, and and so, and remember, this is talking about the northern kingdom, Israel. Uh, We read before with regard to Judah, uh, the the word says that Judah did even worse than Israel. You know, they were even more uh, egregious than Israel. And here Israel is is being spoken about in terms of double inequity. Mm, mm, mm. Verse 13. It says, You have plowed wickedness and reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your own way and your large number of soldiers. See, it says, You have plowed wickedness and reaped injustice because this is the reason. You have trusted in your own way, you've been wise in your own eyes. That's in Proverbs. You know, you thought you knew everything there was to know. And you had faith because you looked at your army and you said, wow, we've got a lot of soldiers. And so a lot of people, we could substitute number of ser- uh, soldiers here for amount of money. See, because people could trust in their own way and in their large sum of money. <clears throat> People look at money and they think of it in terms of security or, or what it can yield on to them. And so <laughs> the same thing would apply. Because you had plowed wickedness and reaped injustice, and this is the reason. You had your faith in the wrong place. You didn't have faith in me. You had faith in what you did. You have faith in what, faith in what you think. You have faith in what's in your bank account. You have faith in what's on the battlefield. You don't have faith in me. In verse 14, it says, the roar of the battle will rise against your people and all your fortifications will be de- demolished in a day of war. So the Lord is saying in one day, <laughs> in a day of war, all this stuff that you have faith in will be demolished because you have your faith in the wrong place. Verse 15 so it will be done to you, Bethel, because of your extreme evil. At dawn, the king of Israel will be totally destroyed. Chapter 11, the Lord's love for Israel. When Israel was a child, I loved, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And so the, the word is referring to here to when God called uh, um, uh, Israel out, and you know Moses led Israel out of captivity in, in Egypt, into an unknown location, just the promised land. It says Israel, this is interesting, it says Israel called to the Egyptians even as Israel was leaving them. And so Israel, as they were being released from captivity, from jail, if you will, from slavery, as they were being released, there were some Israelites that were still calling to their captors. You know, so here God is trying to free them But they want to remain with their captors. It says they kept sacrificing to the bales and burning offerings to idols. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, uh, taking him by the hand, but they never knew that I healed them. I led them with human cords, with ropes of love. To them, I was like one who eases the yoke from their jaws. I bent down to give them food. The Lord is showing all kind of compassion to his people as he's bringing them out of captivity. It says in verse 5, Israel will not return to the land of Egypt and Assyria will be his king. And so, in other words, he's saying, look, uh, to all these people who want to go back to Egypt, go back to Egypt, go it's not going to happen. Instead, I'm going to give you over to the Assyrians because they refused to repent, because they refused to turn to God. They kept on in their behavior of evilness and wickedness and idolatry. And so Hosea is telling telling them this is what's going to happen. We're going to be turned over to the Assyrians. We're not going back to Egypt. Verse 8, how can I give you up, Ephraim? Let's see, yes. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I surrender you, Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboiim? Now, Adma and Zeboim, Z- who, who, what are these? If we go back into Genesis and in the Deuteronomy, we'll see that we know Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, two other lands were named with Sodom and Gomorrah in those scriptures, and that was Adma and Zeboim. And so he's essentially saying, How can I make you like Sodom? How can I make you like Gomorrah? <laughs> you know, he's saying, How can I destroy you? And so. <laughs> How can I give you up Ephraim? How can I surrender you uh, uh, Israel? How can I, how can I destroy you like Sodom and Gomorrah? I have had a change of heart. My compassion is stirred. I will not vent my full fury of of my anger. I will not turn back to destroy Ephraim for I am God and not man, the Holy one among you. And so we see that Ephraim or Israel was not totally destroyed. The, the land was conquered, the people were carted off, but there was a, there was a, remnant, there was a remnant. There was always a remnant. He had a, a remnant in exile, and he had a remnant that he left in the land. And so they were never completely destroyed. <clears throat> Chapter 12, God's case against Jacob's heirs. And the word says, Ephraim chases the wind and pursues the east wind. He continually multiplies lies and violence. He makes a covenant with Assyria and olive oil is carried to Egypt. And so he's saying that, you know, Israel continues to do what I would have them not do. And it says in verse eight, but Ephraim thinks how rich I have become. I made it all myself in all my earnings. No one can find any iniquity in me that I can be punished for. So we see here that that Israel is thinking that he has done some things uh, on his own without the assistance of God. And what I haven't done anything worthy of punishment, you know, doing all kind of dastardly things in the sight of the Lord, but not acknowledging it, not recognizing it. Now, maybe it was done out of ignorance or maybe it was done purposely, you know. I happen to think it was done purposely. I happen to think they knew they were doing things against the Lord, but it didn't matter because they were looking at what the results were on earth and they felt like, Hey, we have it made. We're making all this money. We're doing trade. We're doing business. We're being successful. Let's keep doing what we're doing and let's ignore what we're not doing. (laughs) Let's go to chapter 13. The title says death and resurrection. Resurrection. It says I have been the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt. You know no god but me, and no savior exists besides me. I knew you in the wilderness in the land of drought. When they had when they had pasture, they became satisfied. They were satisfied and their hearts became proud, therefore they forgot me. Is this not the story of man? See, we, we get a little success, we put out some effort, we, 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 we garner a little success, we gain a little momentum, and then we forget God. See? We start you know, enjoying uh, the, 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 the fruit of the labor, of the things that we've been laboring for, uh, we start uh, indulging ourselves in pleasure, and we forget God. We forget his statutes, his precepts, We forget his righteousness and justice, and we start doing things all on our own. Their hearts became proud, therefore they forgot me. That's why pride is so insidious. Because pride is a pathway, it's an avenue to the land of forgetfulness, to the place where God doesn't exist, because you start seeing yourself in a certain light. In verse seven, it says, so I will be like a lion in them. I will lurk like a leopard on the path. I will destroy you, Israel. You have no help but me. Now that destroying he's talking about, again, is not total destruction because there will be a remnant. In verse 14, I will ransom them from the power of Sheol. I will redeem them from death. Death, where are your barbs, Sheol? Where is your sting? Now, in the New Testament, Apostle Paul refers to the Scripture when he's stating a case for everlasting life. Because the Lord says here, I will ransom them from the power of Sheol. I will redeem them, rescue them, bring them out from death. Death, where are your barbs? The Lord is kind of like, he's kind of mocking death here. And he's demonstrating that he has authority over death. <clears throat> And thank God for that. And let's go on to the last chapter, uh, chapter 14. It says, a plea to repent. Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled in your iniquity. Take words of repentance with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our iniquity and accept what is good so that we may repay you with praise from our lips. There is never not the opportunity to repent it always exists first what it requires is an acknowledgement of sin and so you you have to come before the lord in all sincerity and acknowledge that you have that you have done wrong and repenting means to turn from that thing so it's not just saying i'm sorry it's saying lord I blew it here and I'm gonna turn from that wicked way. I'm gonna turn from it. I'm not gonna do this. I'm gonna adjust my life, my lifestyle. This is not gonna happen. This is not gonna control me. See, repentance is not just saying I'm sorry. It's, a, it's accompanied by an action of turning from that thing that you're repenting of. <clears throat> And then it says a promise of restoration. And so you repent, then what, what's the Lord's response? He said, I will heal their apostasy. I will freely love them, for my anger will have turned from him. See, once you repent, then the Lord responds in kind. It says in verse 7 the people will return and live beneath his shade, they will grow a grain and blossom like the vine. His renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. You will be able to then sleep and rest securely under the shade of the Lord. See, And you will blossom like a vine. It says, I am like a a flourishing pine tree. Your fruit comes from me. Verse 9. Let whoever is wise understand these things. And so the word is saying, if you're wise, you understand these things of the Lord. You understand that you rest securely under the, uh, under the shade of his branch. You, you understand that, that, um, that the fruit that is, uh, you're able to produce is because of him. And it says, for the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. And so we see here that the wise man recognizes these things. He recognizes that the ways of the Lord are right. He recognizes that the righteous walk in them. And he recognizes that there's no, there's no reason that I can't do the same. There's no reason that I can't acknowledge that the ways of the Lord are right. There's no reason that I can't walk in righteousness uh, um, in those ways. And the wise also realize that the rebellious stumble over those things. And with that, that is the end of the book of of Hosea. And tomorrow we'll pick up in the book of Joel. Remember, in Romans chapter 10, what the word says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart, if you sincerely believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, the word says that you will be saved. You will be saved. You will be risen in the last days. You will experience everlasting life. That's what the word promises. The question is, do you want to make yourself eligible for those promises? If so, sincerely confess that Jesus is Lord and allow yourself to be taught his ways. And with that, everybody stay safe, be blessed, and take care. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.